0: Hey Coconuts, we are back for more in our Weekly Market Updates. We kick things off with Spotify's $1 billion buyback, Google's new addition to their search algorithm, Twitter moving towards a newsletter subscription, and a new stock we're looking at called Camping World as they look to consolidate all things camper, camp community, all under one roof. Stay tuned! TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hello, coconuts. How are you guys? We are back for one more week of TFC updates. What's up? I hope you guys have had a good uh, weekend. Uh, I was tuning in on Tuesdays at at 8 p.m., so we thank you very much for for listening in. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of things, honestly. Uh, We have Spotify, who did did a share buyback. We're going to be talking about Twitter. We're going to be talking about Google and Vidya as well. And, of course, uh, we're going to kick off with things with Visa. Visa actually purchased, or this past week, purchased a crypto crypto CryptoPunk, I believe, which is actually known as an NFT. They purchased it for hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, which in effect is going into be, to be sort of part of the crypto, and being part of the crypto space, right? Um, so I think it's it's interesting to find out why they why they did this. Now, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for us is quite a large number, right? Some of our annual incomes, so or maybe even two year incomes. For Visa, I would dare say it's a. a they, I don't think even I don't even think they noticed it to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I'd love, love to find out here with Reggie, of course, with, with Thomas as well. Uh, what do you guys think, right? Why, why did they go into NFTs? Maybe some intern bought it, right?
1: <laughs> it's, it's so small, nobody cares. Like, you know, hey, let me just, you know, spend some money here and buy a CryptoPunk. I think Thomas has some thoughts about about this. We, we, we talk extensively on our discussion with PayPal and, you know... Uh, Square and what have you, about the payment system, how, how it's going to change. But I, I just want to put it out there that it's very interesting that the company is buying an asset and not like a, a company. I, w- I would think that if they really want to go head on on this, then... It is. Um, they have to acquire some sort of infrastructure, right? Because it's a whole different infrastructure that has, has has to be built. And there are a lot of people already building some of these earlier stuff. Mintable and some of the other guys are already building NFT um, ecosystems and all. So I, I was... Yeah, when you told me that you want to talk about this, I was like, really? We're going to talk about this? Is this, is this company... Is, is, did they just buy a company or are they just like buying it for the hype and all, right? And it, it looks to me that it's a little bit of a riding a hype kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's more marketing effort than anything else. At least in in my current uh, view, I don't I don't see um, any serious kind of play into into the whole NFT space by Visa.
2: Yeah, I think they got some spare 150k stashed like in their yeah. financial budget, and say, like, oh, where do we well, spend probab- this? Right? Like, okay, let's just go they buy. They probably like, do, it in CD all in fairness, crypto punk. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, and I think just, just for our, our viewers and, and of course listeners out there, uh, NFT, right, just to, to break it down a little, stands for non-fungible token, um, in which case it's actually a digital asset. I mean, it's it's of course on the on the blockchain technology, right? So just to let, to let everyone know, uh, for those that don't. Um, so you, Reggie or Thomas, maybe, right, you think this is just FOMO? No,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> I think more, more seriously, I think they're just trying to also create more transactions, uh, but they're the first one to go start. Um, any platform requires some kind of kickstarter. If you look up like, say Reddit, there's actually a lot of bot accounts uh, when they just started and they openly said it. So for a platform that just like trading transactions, in this case, NFTs, um, they want to be the first, if not uh, one of the many transactions that they'll make. It's just that the first one is just some, something that's newsy, Yeah, But uh, if you think deeper, right, for a CryptoPunk or asset that trades at 150k, um and like one Berkshire stock is like what two hundred and thirty k, so they've already set the price of a crypto card at hundred fifty k, and everyone else would rather like follow uh, If not, um, maybe just adjust the prices here and there. But it's going to roughly trade around that price. Yeah. So they're also setting where the valuations should roughly start. Uh, I'm not sure how the market makers on these NFT platforms are going to work, uh, or if there's none at all. Uh, then that's even crazy <laughs> How can there yeah, be none? The Okay, I, I don't know. Like, it's quite interesting. So, so I think um, it's something that's worth exploring. Yeah, whoever's actually mm-hmm. setting these prices and uh, marking them to do to, to anything else.
1: Yeah, I, I okay. I think I think other than riding the wave, uh, Because hundred fifty thousand is very cheap for a marketing campaign. Just saying, if you know Visa buys it and then they they go around and people kind of oh Visa not not that old school anymore, right? We're we're gonna go edgy and go new. Eventually, I definitely think that because they are a company that is built on transaction systems, they will they will have to go into this space because this is the next frontier of transaction, the digital transactions where it is not going through the the fiat system, right? Which is where they operate in but actually fully in the digital system uh, where money does not even need to move out into the whole SWIFT ecosystem. For, For everyone that's listening, probably you know by now, right? So that's how Visa operates in their business. And they're going into this space. So I think that's a pretty interesting... Kind of outlook to see to see where this goes uh, with Visa, right? So I am uh, I do declare that I am long Visa. I'm uh, owner of Visa, and for a very <laughs> long time, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you also long Visa? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so, you also? Yes, yes, So I think for a very long time, uh, they have been dominant in the space, but they definitely have been disrupted. Okay, I won't say disrupted, but they've been seriously challenged by the guys at PayPal, the guys at Square, yeah, even a lot of your kind of. Close ecosystem kind of guys like Alipay, you know they they are taking up more and more share of the future of transactions, and I think Visa wants to stay relevant and, and potentially enter this space. Right? So this is a interesting uh, first endeavor into this space. But I do think that NFTs in itself has, uh, has real value. Like it has not real value. Okay, okay. Can I just clarify? Uh, this is a very touchy topic, right? Okay? <laughs> not, not, real, not real value that it's not overpriced or, or like there's a fair price to it. No, but it's more like a, there is a real problem here, right? A real problem to be solved that fungibility is an issue in the digital space, which is why all these blockchain, all these, they exist, right? Because you cannot tell one data from the other. So when someone created this whole this whole ecosystem of NFT tokens that can represent essentially the tokenization of a of a thing, right? That cannot be fungible, that is not fungible in real life. I think it it really solves that problem of okay, rep- accurate representation in the digital world, right? So in that sense, it mm. has a it has a real function. It has a value to it. I think eventually, as so of now, as an investor. Yeah, you can say that I'm the kind of investor that is not very active in trying to go into new frontiers, lah. Right, so I'm I'm the kind that is a little bit more slow to things. I'm always exploring new stuff, yes, but I'm not um, putting myself out there at, at this point in time with NFTs, yes. But a uh, proud yeah. visa owner and very happy that they are exploring, like they have more money to play around, you know. So yeah, cool. Mm.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so according to their the visa has a hit of crypto, right? You're saying it's just like a test kind of trade. So they are just trying to expose themselves little bit by a uh, little bit. So they bought it through Ethereum, uh, for a price of hundred fifty k. But the price of the CryptoPunk is now one hundred and ninety nine k. They made thirty percent already. Yeah. So mm. I don't know. I don't, yeah. know that, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about that. That's pretty good investment. They help me not, not an advice investment. to go and buy Visa or the crypto <laughs> la, But um, I think Visa knows what they are doing. Uh. <laughs>
0: Or even if they don't, it's 150k for them, right? It's quite a small yeah.
2: amount.: Yeah, and then next month you see them putting 10
0: times the size and then yeah..: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I think uh, any, any last words before I move on to the next bit? Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah let me, let me take part of juicy news, all right? Yeah,
1: let me take juicy yeah, right, news number two. So I think um, a lot of people may or may not be on this platform anymore. I don't know if how many of you guys are on Twitter, all right so Are you guys on Twitter? Do you guys have a Twitter account? Wait, you guys have Twitter account? I have an
0: account. I'm not on it. Stocking okay. account, I'm not on Twitter. it.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So you're just stalking all these influencers and all these other people on, on Twitter, right? Just kind of see what they're saying. And if you don't yet know, Twitter has been releasing a lot of new features recently. And one of the new features that they have released is a newsletter subscription button, right? So I think that is extremely important because... If you don't know, I think a lot of people when they go on Twitter, they are building the following, building that kind of uh, reach eventually to shift to Substack or shift to MailChimp or shift to some sort of a newsletter ecosystem that they can then monetize and kind of move from there. That is so far the observation. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy that Twitter is exploring something like that to move into a different way of monetization because Twitter has been struggling with monetization for many, many years. They have essentially... Uh, lost out on the advertising space, right? Because uh, Facebook and Google are just too efficient with their CPM and their conversion rates and all of that. It's just very hard for pay advertisers to explore Twitter in a serious manner. So Twitter has potentially uh, raised the white flag on advertisement dollars and try to go into supporting creatives and supporting newsletter writers and, and what have you, yeah. What are your thoughts on this new... I would, say it's a, I would say it's a glimpse of a pivot, right, to explore a different monetization model. Yeah. What are your thoughts, guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great idea, right? Twitter, uh, we all know, is, is very good for its first impression or its first, first point of contact in terms of marketing, right? Like, for example, when I use, even when I use Twitter uh, back in the day, I go if I, if I find them on my feed or if I find them commenting on someone else, I go to their Twitter feed. Um, But I will move to their Facebook, I'll move to their Instagram to find out more about them. I won't really know anything else. I won't really read all the tweets if you scroll down. Um, And in this manner, right, to get a newsletter, you need to be going onto their website right now, um, or you need to effectively know about them in order to get access to their newsletter. If you find their news interesting, Twitter is a great way for you just as a very quick snapshot um, as you reach out to them, or as you find them, and just click Newsletter. So I think it's a it's a very good very good play. I think it's a good, well, you called it a pivot. I think it is definitely will be a pivot, um, and probably something that they can re- like rec- recognize in terms of revenue. Thomas, Thomas, what do you think?
2: I don't think it's a pivot. It's more like a enhancement to their existing offering. Um, why I say that because most of these people who are actually writing newsletters they use Twitter as a compliment. Um, they write a condensed version of what they posted in these things called like tweet storms. Uh, I don't know whether you heard of this. Mm-hmm. So it's like slash one, slash two, slash three, and they just go all the way down to like 25, maybe even 200, right? Like, they just want to express something, but it can't fit 140 characters. So they do 140 <laughs> characters times 500 or something, and then it's a whole essay yep. there. So uh, yep. you just search for the kind of tweet that makes uh, most sense to you. You actually read that, but you find that, okay, as you scroll down, it, there's some logical cohesion to all the tweets, right? And then you find out, okay, actually, it's the whole newsletter inside. Yeah, so people actually prefer to digest the newsletters in the form of 140 character tweets as compared really? to reading their entire... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a summarized version, right? So you don't actually have to go into the newsletter, go through your email, read it in that form. It's a, it's a different kind of format uh, uh, from, from, from that. Yeah. It's like a TLDR kind of thing. Mm.
0: I honestly wasn't really a, a big fan of those slash two slash three. After yeah. I think the second one, I just stopped. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if
1: user experience is the best, but I do agree with you that um, it, essentially this is what is already happening on happening on Twitter. It's not like a big pivot, but I would say that building all these features in and potentially exploring monetization is a pivot, you know, for for the company. And for a very long time, they have still been trying to get advertisers and all. And hey, Twitter does not have a small reach. Eh? They have a, uh, you know, MAU about 300 over a million people, right? 330 mm. million people to be exact, right? So they do have a lot of people on their platform. Um, of course, it's it gets dwarfed when you look at the other guys, right? Uh, whether it's a TikTok, whether it's a Facebook, Instagram, whatever you. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is not a small social media platform. And for them to kind of do this pivot, I think, yeah, like it's high time, like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's been, it's been so long. You know, look at Pinterest, look at Snap, look at everybody. They're all trying to find a different way to make money. And you know, Jack Dorsey needs to focus, or he needs to quit one of his company. You know, and um,
2: yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dorsey. Hey, Elon Musk can run three companies, so huh? why not
1: Dorsey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started about Mars. Elon Musk also doesn't really sleep, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but don't get me uh, don't
1: get me started about Mars anyway.
0: Yes, yes. I like the robot dancing. If that helps,
2: I, I think Twitter is going to write a lot <laughs> on on the blogging trend. Then, um, so they, I, I'm not sure where this will lead them um, the long term because they are like the go-to platform if you if people like to digest tweets, right? That's how I interpret yes. Twitter. Yes. Um. But now, if they are doing more of the subscriptions kind of thing, uh, to subscribe to a newsletter, is a newsletter going to be inside Twitter itself to compete against Substack, or is it going to redirect to the the Twitter users' own blog, which could be a Substack, right? So this is is is. I think some that's the whole. To
1: I think that's the whole idea because you're seeing a lot of paid content. You're seeing a lot of Substacks coming. Out. You're seeing a lot of Mailchimp Indie hackers, mm. what have you, right? So, you're seeing a lot of these other software platforms that are all built for newsletters that are gaining right. a lot of traction and they have a lot of inbuilt paid features, right? So, I do yeah. think that that is the part that Twitter is trying to hack. They're trying to shift everything onto Twitter and so that you don't need to divert your audience out, you know, of, of Twitter away, away yeah. into a subset mm. or into a website, right? So, you could yeah. just build everything, you know, on Twitter itself, right? Which is, which is essential. I mean, there are so many... Successful examples, right? Like Seeking Alpha is one of them, right? I'm, I'm not sure if you guys use Seeking Alpha, but you know, for all you people that are investing, okay, well, not sponsored. I don't know if I should name drop. But anyway, so, uh, so Seeking <laughs> Alpha is one of them, right? There are all these people that write research papers and they just put on Seeking Alpha and they grow a following mm. there and they can monetize off the users that are on the platform, right? So Twitter can potentially move towards something like that where... Essentially they are building micro writers where writers don't need to build their own presence elsewhere. They could just kind of build on Twitter itself and maybe that is something. But okay, I just want to put it out there that Twitter has not come out to say that they're officially switching their business model. But I do mm-hmm. think that this is a glimpse of you know what potentially can happen with Twitter because let's be real, 330 million relatively sticky users, you know, they haven't had have, like user dip. You know, so it's relatively sticky. Uh, yeah, it is a big market to to be explored.
0: Nice. I think as as another thing, it's really that re-engagement loop, right? I think just as a, as a quick summary there. Um, digital Twitter, marketer, like, digital like marketer, is <laughs> digital marketer speaking. Yes, re-engagement <laughs> loop. Yes. It's really keeping them within the same environment because that will that will drive call it ads if you will, or call it whatever you want to call it. But if you can show that a user is spending five x more time on your platform. Gets, that's a great value for for anybody putting ads in there um, like like multiple other other companies out there right so I think that's that's a good thing and I really do think it's a little bit of a pivot here Thomas. Um, I agree that it's a compliment but it will I think to a certain extent eat into your original um, or the original reason Twitter got started right and hence I called it a pivot because a compliment I think is effectively there's no overlap there's no eating into each other segments. Um, so I do think it's a pivot to what extent I don't know Uh, or I don't think none of of us do but uh, I think it's something to look look forward to and see see how the engagement grows
1: Mm -hmm. definitely but I also want to point out that it does not mean that Twitter is a fantastic company or it has a bright future I mean this is the early glimpse we have not even seen we're not even sure that if this is a pivot we're not even sure that this is their next big growth strategy and Twitter is not exactly a cheap company by valuation. So that's something that people need to be aware of. Uh, And yes, they are embroiled in all sorts of other stuff. You know, with like, legal problems, you know, the whole like, sex content on Twitter and all those kind of things, right? So they're embroiled in all of that and uh, something that I think we all should be aware of. right? Will that dilute the audience and all, so um, I think as an investor, we got to keep observing to see their numbers, to see their interaction, to kind of see if they can continue to grow their MAU, they can show some numbers in terms of subscription numbers to say that it's growing, or what are we seeing, right? So I definitely want to see some uh, yeah exciting new things coming out of Twitter, right? The sleeping sleeping bird for a very, very long time, so yes. (laughs)
0: All right, uh, Thomas, You want? let's jump on to the next piece of news here. Yeah, I want to talk about Google. Uh, they're
2: actually working on a new kind of search uh, model. I won't say search engine, but it's an uh, addition to what they already have. Um, basically, it's, it's something that gives even more context to your search results, right? So now, um, in comparison, right, you search something on Google. It's just going to give you back some ads on the top and then the listing results, right? And based off your search history or whatever you have been typing here and there, and then it's trying to get you even more recommendations or your ads become more refined. The next level is where it's, the search results are going to recommend you whether the items that you bought previously is going to be good enough for, let's say, your search query. So example, you want to go hiking on uh, some mountain, right? Google knows that you actually bought some hiking boots before, right? Maybe like three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's also going to recommend you, uh, not an ad, but a search result of whether the, the, the hiking boot is actually good enough for the hike that you want to make. So there's going to be additional results that's going to appear. Right, that's very, very contextualized right? according to your own history throughout the whole of Google. So that's just for hiking. Like If you go and search for, let's say, career, like, do you know that you also have to prepare this and prepare that? It's going to work something like a virtual assistant where it's going to recommend things that you would normally consider maybe like the, the second level or the third level after you have your first question answered. So they rather present all these up front and then, oh yeah, all my search results are actually there. I don't have to ask more questions. I've got everything that I need. Yeah, so I don't know. There's some implications. Of this maybe the user experience changes and all that. But I, I do see that some opportunity for advertising. There's also opportunity to really make the search uh, a lot more seamless, and you just end up using more of Google. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think?
1: <laughs> Wait. I I one question. Do you guys give yeah. Google all your information? You know, Google actively try to collect, right? Do you block it? Do you no, like, no, 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 no. I
2: I I read I read the whole privacy policy, and then yeah, yeah. I I just kept, yes but
1: No, so you, just, so you just give it to them, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So,
1: so, so, that's that's no, no, that's the, that's, that's the thing, right? Nobody reads privacy policy anyway, but yes, that's the thing. Uh, even <laughs> even like most of my friends just give Google all their data. And I remember one of my friends very vividly tell me that hey, you know, Google makes my life simpler, right? It, it gives it, it gives me more efficiency, and the more information that I can feed it, the more accurate stuff that it gives back to me, right? Hmm. So I do think that if uh, people become more cognizant of how to use this thing, it may really elevate that consumer experience. You know, with Google having the some of its IoT push and also this whole process of you know potentially giving you more information, and it's all on the bedrock of more information, knowing more about you, right? So if you use IoT, if you use you log in everything through Google, use your Gmail for everything, you know, you you you, you use like Chrome, you're on the maps and everything. Essentially, with all this information, they can predict what you want, right? So, actually, it may be an elevation to consumer experience, right? Google may be pushing it to the whole, next whole level. And that will be interesting, not for Google, but I think it will be interesting for Facebook. Because Facebook is getting challenged um, from Apple. You know, uh, Apple's is not giving it a good time. And with all this privacy... You know, woo's and, and all that jazz. It feels like Facebook's data collection may eventually be less accurate than Google if Google can push down this path. You know, giving uh, providing more and more of these kind of predictor pre predicting data, like where they can predict what you want to do mm-hmm. and all that is the next tier of thought, right? Eventually, yeah, it may it may make advertising on Facebook less accurate. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
0: It's, it's twofold, right? I think one is, okay. I mean, we can talk about the data side of things and, and privacy and all of that later. Right. But the other one is, does it add value? And I, I really think that's what Google is trying to do here. Right. Um, and, and if you think about it, if you're Googling hiking boots more often than not, you're going to find out how it, how it's been, or what is the review of these hiking boots, right? I, at least, at least for myself, if I buy anything, the first thing I want to know is, will it fit me? If I'm paying a dollar for this, is it worth it? Or is it going to break after the first hike? Question. And then I buy another one.
1: Do you guys watch YouTube videos for reviews? Yes. Right? That's my go-to these days. I stop reading blogs and all those things. I just go to YouTube and type whatever I want to buy. Put a, load, put a model down there and review. And then it comes out 10, 20 review videos you just watch. It's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, not too bad. Although I know it's like sponsored. Some of them probably sponsored. But it's like, okay, let's, let's just buy. Right? So, yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, the thing, the thing about the YouTube though, and I still read, right? In all fairness, for for reviews, is because I I skim through it a lot faster. With the YouTube video, you don't know where to stop to find out the actual part of the information that you need, because you don't really need the full review. Um, and I assume that this is what Google is is looking at as well, right? That little bit of review for what you want to use it for. Um, and I think that's 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 great, right? Um, or as, of course, barring privacy policy and barring all of the other stuff that uh effectively we're just giving google including our home address and and anything else (laughs) um but i i think there'll be a lot of work to be done it's not going to be accurate when it first starts but i think it will it will develop in in the form of that i think it's a good idea i don't know about the execution i guess Mm -hmm. in summary that's what i think
1: no but i think you don't need to be worried about execution i mean it's google Right, to be exact, to be exact, I think it's it's quite hard for them to, to mess up execution. They've done a lot of iterations and they've built a lot of things to this point, right? So search is their baby. I think it's it's very hard for them to mess up execution. But I think more interestingly, as retail investors, as people that are exploring, you know, investing in different different companies. Ah, uh, will this push Google to the next tier in terms of ad dollars, or is it going to open up a whole new business model? I think that's the interesting part. And for me, I think ad dollar is is what okay ad ad dollar is one of those things that is always a fraction of the company's revenue. Right, it's always a fraction of the overall company's revenue. Um, I mean, barring all the small little startups, they're just throwing every single you know. <laughs> every single investor dollar back into YouTube, Google <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, whatever you right so uh, for most of the sizable companies, it's always a fraction of their total revenue, total you know sales that's coming into the company. and if you think about it, total revenue if the growth is at five percent so total addressable market if it's at, if the total revenue grows at five percent, I would expect that total advertising dollar also goes up at five percent, right so that's very simplistic assumption, but total addressable market has a slow growth in that sense. Right? Nobody's gonna start like pumping at dollars and all that. And I, I do think that it's reached a point where online offline marketing is getting pretty balanced at some level, because it's all about CPM. If I can put enough money in offline marketing and it can give me the kind of you know, the same efficiency as online marketing, then it's okay to do the offline marketing. Right, so so I think I think we are getting to a place, at least amongst my advertiser friends, people are getting to a place where they can kind of balance out a, a a price for online, a price for offline, and they're they're kind of working with it. It's no longer this idea of like, oh, everything is online and we're we're just gonna drop offline marketing altogether. Right. So so with that in mind, um I do hope that some of these giants, whether it's Facebook or Google, okay, two of these giants specifically, can look into other business models and don't just do you know, like advertising, 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 right? Advertising is great, big float, you know, full cash, good money, right? But is there is there other other models that we can explore? Are there other things that we can go into. I think that's the hopes that I have as an investor.
0: Awesome. All right. So now on to some a little bit of a juicy news, right? Um, it's about Spotify. So Spotify, um, as far as we realized in the last week, is looking to buy back its stocks in the amount of up to $1 billion. Um, and honestly, that is, is, is quite shocking to me. Um, it's, I mean, whether it actually happens, according to them, they have approved the amount of up to $1 billion. So we don't know how much they're actually going to spend. But given the fact that they're looking to expand into certain areas, for example, the podcasting space this year, and they said, you know, they're heavily going to be looking at that and investing into this area and growing their market that way, would... Would buying the company or buying back some shares really be the best use of their liquid cash? I guess that's that's a question that I have, um, Thomas. Why don't we start with you? What are your thoughts on that one?
2: I I don't think so. Um, I I personally think Spotify is overvalued, and if you have an overvalued company, what you should be doing is that you sell. use the shares to yeah sell, and then you can raise the cash, right? Um, most startups or, or those in the early stages, as, uh, not, not in the very late stages or mature companies uh, with an established business model, they're making money and all that really, they will actually raise money through equity um, and not debt also. So equity meaning whatever the price of the shares, they just sell it or maybe they acquire other companies uh, through uh, like uh, mostly share-based purchases. Yeah. Uh, they want to reserve their cash as much as possible. If you look at stock repurchases as a form of investment, they are trying to invest in themselves, right? But if you look at the whole opportunity set, they could have invested in other things, right? I mean, there's other startups you can buy, there's other technologies that you can buy as well. Why do you spend it on your own stock? So this is a, 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 like a question mark, like, why now? Yeah, you should, if, if you follow, um, let's say, Berkshire Hathaway or, or maybe like Coca-Cola or something, um, they regularly do their share buybacks, but at a price which they deem as uh, fair, right? So they value their own company. They, they see that in the stock market, um, this is trading at below my, my value of how I viewed my own company. I'll buy it back, right? And there exists no other opportunities which they think is better. Um, the other reason I can think of, of the buybacks is basically they're trying to reward their own, um, their own management, yeah, because if you do the share buybacks, right, that's gonna um keep at least some kind of um level steady, um, or increase it to a level which um the management is being compensated. Because more often than not, um in management they will have the compensation programs structured towards raising the share price. Uh or sometimes it's the earnings of the company, but that's a bit difficult because there's a lot of milestones to hit. So some just some bots just boil it down to um the the, the stock price and the performance. So mm. if you look at it, your money, if you have invested into Spotify, is being used to compensate management. So that's why I actually disagree with this move.
1: Yeah, I would actually rate this a C move. Um I, I, I do great the management. Like I, I do great all the management that I invest in, and I don't like this because I think. People when they're looking at Spotify as a company, I would not say Spotify is like a growth company. Like it's a, it's not a startup, you know, but it's definitely in the stage of land grab. Right? so it's in a situation where it is trying to grab the following, it's trying to get people to come on. It's reducing its prices. It's increasing its whole content uh, repertoire. It's moving away from only music because music is giving him giving them a lot of problem with all the kind of royalties and all that because it's an H-O mm. business model. Like it's a it's an old space, right? So they're doing all these things to to land grab to get people to come on to subscribe to them and all of them so they are in a phase where they need a lot of money they are in a phase where they are fighting up against the guys with huge watches like netflix you know like um, hulu even disney plus and, and well not even disney plus disney plus you know and <laughs> even like HBO. okay not even HBO. Okay. okay you know like, like all of them are very wealthy you know all of them have very very big Wallchess and Spotify is probably one of one of the smaller people that have gotten a very good footing in the audio space for streaming, but is struggling to monetize and create a flywheel and wall chest effect, right? And at this moment in time, to buy back stock is weird to me. It's, it's just like why, right? The only reason I think, like what Thomas pointed out, really is for EPS, you know, like all the per share data to come down yeah. for for Management to to get priced in on on the incentive structures and all of that, right? To shift stock price up, but yeah, there's no other real reason. And I have dropped uh, but I dropped a link on the comment section that that one. Yes, I dropped that link. So this one guy, I think he is the professor. He's a dean of valuation in I think New York New York University or one of the the big uh, universities, and his name is Ashworth. He has a great, 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 great idea. I mean, okay, I, I don't know if I can say he has a great idea of valuation, like he's the dean, okay? But yes, he has a great video to share with you the different phases of a business and at different phases, how the businesses should act. You know, and I think that exactly based on that idea, Thomas even put out the example, right? Coke, Bashire. those guys are matured business. So they are very matured. There's some sort of fair valuation they can calculate. They are not high growth. So whenever the share price comes down, they buy back because it's, you know, everything can be very accurately calculated based on that idea. And yeah, I think that's a, a, a fair way to go about managing a matured business with share buyback and all of them. But for a company that is not, not does not even have their flywheel and their watches sorted out. I am very disappointed, and yeah, it's it's a it's definitely not a company that. Yeah, definitely have to review the management. The management is quite a hippie guy anyway, so yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, let's see, let's see. Yeah,
0: so I mean, I mean, I, I think that's fair, right? You could they could be thinking about giving stocks to to management and without diluting it even more, given the fact that. Um, maybe they think that stock that Spotify right now is is over diluted, which I don't think so, especially if you're looking to, ex- to, to expand into new areas, you want to dilute it more and get more money from the public yeah. um, and then publicly trade all of that. And then obviously worry about share buyback when you're at a later stage. I think another company that did a share buyback is is Apple, right? I think they did one last year or not entirely no, sure but it's a- but it's
1: but it's, apple.
0: but it's apple but it's apple exactly right, right? So, they have so much money sitting absolutely. around they don't
1: know what to do okay well, i do and, do. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> i do think they don't know what to do okay i don't think they don't know what to do
0: they are so, really doing
1: whatever they can right but but yeah
0: for example yeah yeah no i agree right and and again it's it's a mature company right it's apple yes it's tech but it's been around for a very very long time mm-hmm. and i believe that they bought the share buyback because they honestly think that they made, they could make more money investing in themselves than anywhere else in Spotify, I think as Thomas mentioned, he he thinks it is overvalued. Hmm. But does the management think that, given the fact that they, right? I think in to use Reggie's words, a bit of a hippie. Um, as, as a quick summary thought, do you think that um, that the that the management thinks that Spotify right now is undervalued?
1: Okay, uh, I uh, let me clarify. The CEO is a hippie. Why Why I say he's AP? Because he's like that serial startup founder, you know, like the guy that tried a few startups, exited a few startups, and, and you know, did great for himself and just finding, finding the next big thing to tackle. But Spotify has by far been his biggest, okay? So at this level of managing a company at this size, you have to care about investor. You have to care about how the investors look, how the market works. You have to care about a, a much higher order of financial understanding, how to engineer some of these companies, where to allocate resources. And it's not so much about, you know, let's try the next feature or let's do the next thing anymore. It's it's at a different level. So he is in a new phase of his business uh, career, which is amazing because not many people get to this phase. I salute him for it. But this move, you know, makes me question his abilities, right? Let me me just uh, bring a parallel, right? Michael Burry, right? Everybody knows Michael Burry. He's a guy that, you know, um, essentially... Wolf of, it wasn't Wolf of Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Or was it... Oh, like the the Big, shot, big, big shot. shot. The Big, big Shot. The Big Shot, right? So, he's the guy that that shot the housing market and, you know, made a lot of money and whatever. But, okay, probably he's not the biggest. Like He's just probably the, the craziest one. The story is the most drastic. So, uh, he, he became featured, right? He became famous. And he told Musk, he told Musk that, you know, you should sell more shares at today's price, right? So, he told Elon Musk to sell more of Tesla shares to dilute itself at today's valuation and all of that. And I agree with him, you know, because... He I, I think he vividly recognized that Tesla at that point in time was really just at the early, you know, fighting stage, the growth stage, the kind of land grabbing stage, which is exactly where Spotify is. Right. And I will even say that Spotify is in a it's a wonkier situation because the competition is very serious. You know, Tesla at that point in time, the competition was like, hmm, can do it now. You know, they're still on the sidelines, they're not that serious yet. Right? But but Spotify is in a I would, ah, I don't like it lah. It's a, it's a, it's a bad situation. Yes.
2: I think you got to look at, in in terms of incentives also, the management won't think, ever think that the company that they have, say like 2% or even 5% shares in, right, is undervalued. Right. They always say uh, that it's actually good for the company, whichever their decision. They are incentivized by saying whatever it is that will raise their share price as high as possible. Because that's how most of your compensation actually comes about. So, like on average in the US, I think it's about sixty percent or sixty-seven percent of their overall total comp actually comes from stock. Yeah, and uh, out of that, it's a lot in stock options, and they don't actually—you um, can't exercise them unless they reach a certain strike price. So yes. you need the price to actually go up to that level before that you can actually do this. Um, yes. So I think there's a couple of reports circulating about Spotify's move uh, to actually buy. It. Um, have they run out of options? Because $1 billion in cash, uh, being used to spend on your own stock, they could have just bought another podcaster, right? Or, or some other content firm, which uh, yeah. probably Apple is doing. Yeah. So why...
0: Why? Why did they
1: pay show? Joe Rogan again?
2: <laughs> Wait, let me search. <laughs> I
0: mean, billion. think about how marketing dollars you can do with that, right? $1 billion. <laughs> Dude, They paid
1: $100 million for Joe Rogan. Hmm. Dude, so you know, you can buy 10 Joe Rogans, right? You corner (laughs) off the whole podcasting market, right? You can buy us, we're happy to, you know, be rung up by you guys. Don't buy us, you (laughs) can invest in us first. But yeah, my goodness. Crazy. And yeah, I just want to really encourage you guys to check out the video that I've already dropped in the link. Uh, I dropped a link in the comment section. After this, please check it out. It talks about the different phases of a business, right? So, growth phase, they should Sell more equity. They should, you know, push for more, get more money, and then dilute everybody, and just kind of keep growing and get get the get the land and all of that, right? And then they reach a point where they are kind of mature. Then they have to decide how to push to the next level and manage their finances and be more capital rather than product. And then the third phase, which is you know, essentially a dying company, those those companies are at the situation where they're kind of gliding by. So if they're gliding by, then it's really about compensation of investors and and all of that. So. Different companies are at a different stage and they should act differently, right? So you don't want to you want you don't want to have the old uncle act like the hippie, right? Then you be like, this is a weird old uncle. So Spotify is at a situation where, yeah, I think that it's a weird move. I don't know why they're doing it. Okay, my turn, my turn. Cool. Yeah. So let's continue. Um, in my continued effort to bring interesting companies into the foray of discussion. Anyway, a flight just went past, so I'm gonna gonna let uh, the air force do its job and fly by. Okay, so yes, in my continued effort to uh, try to find interesting companies for all of us to learn and discuss and banter, I have in uh, I have opened a small position in this company a uh, while ago. Right, it's called Camping World. Right, so Camping World Holdings. I know you guys are uh, gonna disturb me, but it's okay anyway. Yes, yeah. so <laughs> Camping World Holdings. It's a company that essentially sells uh, those kind of like caravan kind of thing, right? And they it, it's 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 in a space where it's very fragmented. So they sell camping goods, they sell the caravan services, they sell all those kind of, you know, essentially moving houses, right? That's how, that's how the CEO says, you know, that's, that's how it works. And they were in a space where it is very separated. So just think about how there are multiple mini-marts all around and there's no, there's no NTC at that point in time when they first started, right? So there were just a lot of mini-marts and they were just doing their own thing and everything It's not centralised. So this guy Marcus he came in and I think I think it's Marcus the CEO uh, so he came in and uh, he's he's quite a veteran in this space so he has definitely pulled together his resources and his understanding and he went on this one mission to con- consolidate the whole market So he went on this idea of building an NTC for camping equipment, essentially. And also, like, uh, his caravan business and and all of that. So they have insurance. They have uh, insurance for the caravans. They have the whole, you know, tolling infrastructure. They have everything. So they're trying to build this whole way of life around outdoor adventure and all that jazz. And recently, they have reported record revenue of $2 billion, right? So I think that is uh, pretty cool and a record income of $250 million which is a 50% growth from last year, right? And they are only at a 3 point, 3 point something or $4 billion market cap. So it's a very small company. And hey, at such a small market cap, they can drive such a revenue. Um, I think I think they're doing a very good job for a lot of this uh, retail, you know, distribution kind of business. Yeah. Any thoughts, guys?
2: Yeah. When are you going to show us your caravan yeah. in Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So... <laughs> yeah, so, you want me to you want me to uh, buy a caravan in Georgia? Okay, okay. I know, guys, by the way, for all of you listening, if you don't yet know, I'm planning to go to Georgia for a few months. Yes, I'm getting a little bored of Singapore. And I need novelty. I need ideas. I need to breathe. I need to know people, right? And uh, I just need to get out, right? So, I will be flying to Georgia and the, the guys here will continue to take over a lot of stuff. I, I can still come in live, right? I mean, I can come in live from Georgia. So, great. And uh, all that jazz. So, yeah, that's the plan. So, but I, I want to put it out there that it's not because I'm going to Georgia, that's why I went to research on this company. This company has been my portfolio for two years so far, right? So it's been a while, it's been around for a while. A good friend of mine shared with me, and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool, pretty cute. Um, I don't mind opening a small position in it, but it's definitely a small position. I'm not like some GameStop, you know, multi-millionaire at this point in time. But yeah, it's 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 doing good. Like even Chang pointed out, right, five percent yield, uh, dividend yield, right. So they're doing they're doing uh, interesting uh, compensation structures, which we can talk about it in our geek out if we decide to geek out this company. But yeah, mm-hmm. what what are your what are your uh, thoughts on 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 a company like that going around and building a whole? I think two things, right? One thing is a company ecosystem. that, yeah, a company that's going around and consolidating a very segregated ecosystem, and a company that is building on this future of like you know people living outdoors. I think they're riding on this whole like work from anywhere kind of kind of way of life, right? Where mm-hmm. you can you can go yep. camping, you can do all these things, right? So I think these are the two main things that I really want to hear from your thoughts, right? How how would you evaluate a company that is doing some of these things? Yeah.
0: Um well firstly I think you know I just just googling it as well. And they just mentioned that they're gonna double its dividend as well to to the stockholders um of, of camping world, right? Um so I thought that was that was interesting to note. I think it's it's a bit more than just that, right? And I think maybe that's that's where you were looking at. Maybe oh no, you held this for two years. So actually you held this pre-COVID. Am I right, Reggie? Pre-COVID,
1: yeah. It's not because I started camping, that's yeah. why that's why uh, so the first oh, yeah. the the <laughs> no. first narrative was the one that I was subscribing to, a scattered market. Uh, having somebody to consolidate, right? So just think of mm, all the mama definitely. shops and then someone's building N2C and is building like faster and faster and faster from the east side become west and everywhere, you don't know, start to have N2C. So, so that was yeah. their, their move. And they did go through a few cycles of problems because they were raising a lot of debt. They were they had some bad buys. Um, they, they, they merged with some people and then they had to shed some of their... They shed their gun business and all of that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they they went through that whole cycle, which is not easy, right? It's it's the whole early growth uh, changes and all, all of that, right? So, so, that was my original thesis when I bought into them, right? Which is why I didn't open a very big position. There was not super high, uh, co- like, what do you call that? Like, I wasn't super into it yet. Like, no, not very high commitment, but I thought it was like, okay, yeah. not conviction, not commitment, not very high conviction at that point in time but it was decently good enough for me to explore the company but yeah now now there's the whole like camping and you know live around Correct. yeah all that jazz
0: yeah i think firstly on the on your first point of scattering and then consolidating i think it's a great idea right um, i think it's 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 a model that that is, has been working even in, in other areas in other industries so i do think that his vision of sort of consolidating the market so that he earns a, a cent out of every dollar that is spent in an industry for example is is something great again this is a bit of an offline offline play and this and that but i think something else to look at if you guys are looking at this stock and for those listening or please do your due diligence etc etc is do we see this as the new normal right we always talk about this new normal we have reggie Joining in live from Georgia at one point <laughs> in time, probably in camping mode, caravan.
1: Yes, thank um, you,
0: guys. Woo! Again, if if his if his caravan has internet, lah. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, hello, hello. <laughs> I'm already, they're already it.
1: imagining it. I'm there already. I'm at Tbilisi doing it. I yeah. like, hi. Yes, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Right. So, is that's that's one of the ways. I mean, I know more and more people are, are buying uh, places outside of the city, so they don't have to go to work every day. Some people just want to go traveling and work while doing that. Given what has happened in the last couple of years um so is is this what we consider the new normal is this what people want to go and try um i guess it, it's for us to know but it's definitely something that for example my wife and i are thinking about right mm-hmm. um if it, it's yeah it's and, and it's, it's not even just because you brought this uh, yes. yeah it's it's you know what i need to enjoy i realize i can do my work at anywhere if i need to get up at 2 a.m i'll get up at 2 a.m and do my work mm-hmm. But then I have the, the remaining part of the day to, to explore and I don't need to travel anywhere because guess what? I'm already there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I think it is something that personally I am. Now, am I representative of the world? <laughs> Probably not. Mm. But ask yourselves, right? Ask your friends uh, and so on and so forth. If given the option, would they want to do that? Yeah. Um, so I do I do think it's a it's an area to explore and and really look at in terms of. Yeah, the way I, I guess people viewing the world.
1: Yeah, and I want to shout out that there are two companies that went listed this year. That I'm, I'm doing a little bit more study following it, and they are barbecue companies, right? They, they sell grills, right? So, they, like barbecue mm, grills, mm. guys. So, one Caravan is Caravan and barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, essentially, they sell like the hardware and all yeah. of that. Right? So, <laughs> so, one is Weber, a very established old brand. You know, if you are serious barbecue enthusiasts, you will know them. And then there's this other company called Traeger. Right, So Traeger is the newer guy that um, is also selling barbecue equipments. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm trying to see if, if the post-pandemic situation will continue to ride and can they increase their margins and what have you. But yeah, recently I've been looking at a lot of this like new normal play, right? Not this new normal. What is the new normal? How do I envision a new normal? And yep, definitely I'm a big believer of this. Yep. Thomas, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, so I was looking at some of the financials, uh, just very briefly. Um, revenue mm. breakdown of camping world is in uh, services and plans. They actually do some um, insurance on yes, the caravans they that they s- sell. Service but that's a small portion. Yes, service a caravan insurance. It's a small portion, but majority of the revenue comes from new vehicles as well as mm. used vehicles. So, uh, And then lastly, it's the product services and I guess like all the other stuff, that, all the accessories that comes with the caravan. But if they're dealing mostly with vehicles, um wouldn't you consider them something like a I wouldn't say automotive company, a la, but jewelry. they're basically their car dealer, caravan dealer.
1: So I think the interesting part of a caravan is it's kind of like a moving home. It's not so it's a, it's a it's right. it's a little bit of an intersection between a real estate and uh automobile, right? So I would not consider mm. it a transport kind of thing. Okay, I I would classify um, cars and trains and planes in the same uh, level of transportation, or like at least it's transporting people around. But caravan mm. is one of those things that you know you you could you could live on, and it's it's a moving real estate essentially, right? So that's the I mean, there are caravan <laughs> parks and all of that, right? So it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, don't be surprised, guys. If I if I end up living in some like Australian caravan park for a year or something, I will find good internet and tune in with you guys. Yes,
2: <laughs> can totally picture that, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> no, what 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 I like to see what, what I like to see is other than just selling the vehicles right I what's, what's the other expansion plans the roadmap for the product or even services so I, I I can like kind of envision if people are into this can uh, uh they don't want to buy a caravan outright can they at least rent one from the company or can they even do some kind of Airbnb experience with a caravan yeah that would be pretty cool um why is because uh, right now the current business model is a bit asset heavy So there's a bit of capex every time they sell one. Although it's like a caravan, um, yeah, we are making pretty good margins. Yes. Uh, but still, long term, right? Uh, how many people are gonna buy caravans? Let's say in the whole United States, like everyone's gonna ride a caravan. Not. not
1: I know, I know, I know, guys. I know. Relax, relax. Right. It's like it's like if you buy a golf golf company, like, is everybody going to play golf, right? No, so you got to mm. size the total addressable market accurately, right? Don't You don't want to yeah. benchmark everything to like a Costco or into a Walmart, right? So, um, I think the interesting part about about these guys is they are also building the whole uh, asset light layer on top, which is the whole servicing, membership, insurance, all those high margin mm. business on top of it, right? So, you have to be a member to to get all these things and then they also have the servicing stock and all of that. Right. So I think I think it's a you you I cannot even call them like a distributor play that you know or they're not even like a one automobile like distributor or or servicer kind of thing. They are essentially building a whole infrastructure uh for caravans, right? And one of the listeners mm. actually asked a question uh am I by pulling it out? Is the company selling caravan or renting very seasonal since traveling is somewhat affected
2: by season? It's mostly selling, yeah.
1: Yes, they are mostly selling. Yes. Uh, but they also have the whole trade in and out kind of thing, and uh, we can always talk about it in a geek out if, if sufficient people are interested. If you are interested, come to our Telegram group and tell us you want us to do a geek out. Yeah, and then we can we can do that another time. So yeah, good stuff. By the way, I'm learning about barbecue company. I will get back to you guys on the barbecue grill <laughs> business.
0: Mm. I think I think one one other note on this, um, Thomas, is, is that it's a small pivot for them to to move from. Uh, uh, asset heavy to to a rental base, right? Which is also asset heavy, to be honest. Um, so I think that if they do want to move into a um, you know a market in which they do want to do rental, it is definitely possible, given that they've already set up all the infrastructure. So it is is something possible, but at what point? I'm just reading here as well that they I think it was two weeks ago that they announced a share buyback. Um, it, yeah, a uh, company stock repurchase program. They do uh, that. For they this do company that. as well, yes, <laughs> they do that pretty often.
1: They, I, they are actually, I would say that in their space, they are considered quite mature already. Yeah, they, they, they have consolidated mm. a lot of essentially the whole of the U.S. now has this thing called a camping world, right? It's, before that it was just like mom and pop all around. So they have definitely gotten to a stage where it is a little bit closer to CVS. You know, okay. so it's like it's like mm. they are decent sized, They are a little bit bigger, and they're building ecosystems and all of that. They're not small anymore. They're not like when they first started, you know. And mm. uh, for share buyback and all of them, I think I kind of get it. Maybe they do think that they are undervalued, or or you know, they they do have some cash going around. Um, yeah, but I I I think they are not. They are. If you want to just look at share buyback, that's one thing. But you also look at their debt, right? So they how they manage investors overall, I think they're doing a pretty good job. And I would say that they are already in a... It's some sort of a flywheel effect going. So, I, I, I think it's I think it's okay if you ask me. Yeah, not all share buybacks are bad, but but yeah, Spotify is... is, yeah. is... <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, just to note, it's not $1 billion that they're buying. At like, least this right? company so... <laughs> yeah, is making, making money. Yeah, they're making
2: money. Yeah.
0: So, right. They are. They are. They um, actually mentioned in this that they have good, uh, strong cash flow. Mm. Um, In this news article as well, which also explains why they would want to do a, a share by pay less dividends as well, right? For them,
1: yeah, exactly, guys. Okay, let's yeah, move on. If not, it becomes a camping world absolutely. geek out, uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta be clear which show <laughs> segment we are on. Okay, we'll do a geek out another time, yes. All right,
0: yes. uh, last one, Thomas.
2: Yeah, so I want to bring up NVIDIA. Uh, basically, they outright said that their arm acquisition is going to be delayed by at least more than 18 months, so um. Well, that that poses some challenges, uh, because this one is not coming from uh, Qualcomm, who was initially the ones that were just uh, complaining everything about it, but now it's coming from the UK government, right? So they're finding that some um, anti-monopolistic issues with this deal um, is gonna threaten Qualcomm, Intel, uh, a lot of other companies in between also, because it it could uh, Nvidia could actually block out the entire CPU architecture if they go and do this, yeah. So, oh, no, I don't think they will,
1: but, but it's a possibility.
2: Yes, <laughs> they, they actually have a dedicated website um, for the NVIDIA ARM um, acquisition. So, they're listing like all the benefits to like Europe, to China, to US to try and say like, yeah, it should proceed and all that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, hopefully, it does. Uh, if not, NVIDIA doesn't really have um, a big phase two uh, of their growth. Yeah, what, what do you guys think?
0: Um, can I just confirm? ARM is owned by Softbank. 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 At
1: this point
0: What's in it? time. But it's a UK
2: company.
0: It's owned by... St- mm. It's a UK yes, company. Yes, it's it's, yes. Yeah, owned- it's effectively 100% owned by SoftBank. Is that right?
2: I'm
0: not 100%? sure about 100%. I don't think sure it's 100%. Oh, okay. But, mm. but it is a big one. Mm. Okay. okay. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, okay. So the question here, I think the UK government is trying to say is that there would be an, uh, sort of breaching some monopolistic laws. La. Right? Would you say, Thomas? Mm-mm-mm. Right and and what do we know the percentage of market share expected post merger?
1: No, no, they share? are they're in a very different business. Okay, so ARM is in the in the yeah, infrastructure straight. design business.
0: Correct, right? So they don't build the they don't, uh, yeah, they don't do the I hardware. Understand.
1: Yes, they don't do the hardware.
0: Yeah, so um, I think maybe you can explain to me why why did the UK why does the UK think that it will sort of create this sort of monopolistic laws and, and sort of edge everybody else out?
1: Because okay, so but, ARM designs all the blueprint for everybody. At this point in time, right? So for almost everyone... So then they would stop... Yeah, essentially... You yeah, know,
0: so then they would stop making they, it for everybody exactly, else except for it Nvidia, is it Qualcomm,
1: yeah. Broadcom, uh, AMD, mm-hmm. NVIDIA, Intel, even Apple M1 chip, they all use some form of ARM's blueprint, right? So ARM designs all of that, oh, yeah. then it, everyone else kind of builds according. I, I know this is a little bit complicated in the whole like, you know, semi-con space, but essentially everyone is kind of using ARM's head, you know, like his idea, right? This is how it works, okay? And then everybody licences that part. So, if you think about how NVIDIA then acquires ARM into part of its repertoire, then what, what, what about, what is the threat that NVIDIA can just say, okay, nobody can license this anymore, go and design your own shit, right? And, and mm. so, so I totally totally get this part about, about um, you know, anti-monopolistic and, and all that jazz. And, and we talked about it in our Geek out. and NVIDIA Geek out is out already, so you must check it out, huh? It's a shame, shameless plug, yes. <laughs> hmm.
0: but I, yeah, I, but I mean, will, do you think they will? I don't think they will.
1: Okay, I, I don't think it's about whether I think they will, but it's more about like, will it move, will this impede NVIDIA's next room for growth, right? Because uh, NVIDIA's primary business is in the GPU space, right? So, uh, GPU hmm. space... They, they dominate right, so they're the biggest. Then uh, everyone else cannot really compete. But that is pretty much their main business. And if we're gonna see a situation where more and more people are moving into mobile first, or more and more, I mean, all your game guys are moving mobile first. Uh, most of your apps are mobile only. You know, it's like who which app builds a web page these days, right? <laughs> so maybe to funnel you to the app, right? So mobile only, everything is mobile. You know, people are going for wearables and smaller and smaller kind of tech arrangement. These uh, these equipments, they do not use GPUs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they do not use GPUs. So that becomes a challenge for NVIDIA's future in terms of, you know, where, where, where it's heading. Of course, there's a whole um, data mining, you know, the whole crypto mining kind of thing. There's the whole like, uh, what is that? Data center kind of thing, uh, which they are dominant in the space. But even crypto is breaking away. I think crypto, a lot of the crypto enthusiasts, they are they have their own rig these days that they're building and developing. That is focused on mining crypto because GPU is not built for mining crypto specifically, right? So even that part of the business can be kind of fractured out, right? So I think that's what Thomas is is trying to question to see that will this affect the next leg of growth for NVIDIA, which is very fair because NVIDIA at today's price is a $500 billion company. Okay, so it's not a small company by market cap. Can it continue to grow? Um, I am not sure. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: I think just to, just to clarify as well, GPUs, are just Google it, GPUs are in smartphones and in, say, Apple Watches as well. Uh, no.
2: Still, no, 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 no. There isn't. So it's like it's a it's a okay. So Apple's architecture they have a very integrated design. So it's embedded inside using yeah. the ARM architecture, right? But NVIDIA's GPUs are mostly like graphical cards, Separate, like this big right? stick, yeah. stick. Then you just stick it into the motherboard. Yeah. Got it. Yeah.
1: So the functionality Got has it. been has been put together. Yes. So. Interesting, right? So, you know, maybe maybe Apple will be challenging NVIDIA, right? So Apple is fighting NVIDIA's business, right? They will build up their production and then sell the M1 chip and then it becomes a whole new business infrastructure. You never know. So I think investors of NVIDIA, mm-hmm. which are not not little, I think quite a lot of inv- people invest in NVIDIA, um, has to be very aware of uh, all these risk factors of NVIDIA. And um, the failure of acquiring ARM... Um, can be quite a challenge for its next next uh, phase of growth. But I also yeah. want to see that they are not... Because, you know, it's like acquiring arm um, is one of those like, let's shoot for the moon kind of thing. Let's shoot for the stars kind of thing, right? Okay, then maybe mm. we can acquire these guys and then we'll have a great life for the next decade or something, right? But mm-hmm. um, if this is happening, this is a situation, um, it will continue to be very hard. I will not even price in 18 months, you know, of wait time, right? I will hope that they can... Uh, start to tell me like what is the next plan and what what are the other strategies to go forward with? Yeah, I I will find mm. it very scary if they tell me oh just wait for eighteen months and you know let's just see what happens in in eighteen months
0: time. How we go?
1: Yeah, how we go? <laughs> but but uh, don't don't get me wrong. Their core business is doing very well. They're selling out like crazy. Every time it's uh, every time their GPU come out, it, it gets bite up. It it gets chewed up. Right? Everybody yes. will kind of. Buy it, right? so they are doing very well in their core business so they can potentially continue to milk it for a very very long time to come right? for maybe 5-10 years uh, until the next tech cycle really comes in and all that stuff but yeah I think it poses a questionable future for them if they cannot acquire this or they cannot find another new business model
0: awesome alright thanks guys thank you so much for, for spending the time uh, with us on our uh, TFC weekly market updates alright have a good one see ya Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me Rakesh and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter join our community telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up please click the description below. As always we love your feedback so share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.